Hey ASM, uh, before we jump into our message this week, I just wanna stop for a second and address this terrible situation we've been reading about in the news, we've been seeing even footage of on Facebook and other sources, and that's the cruel and unjust death of George Floyd at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer. Um, it, it seems like we've had so many just vivid reminders recently of the brokenness of our world and of our country in particular, and especially the way that African-Americans are way too often treated unjustly by those in power. And I mean, just the images in my mind right now of what we've seen, uh, I, it's hard to have words for that. And it, it breaks my heart. I know that you feel that too. And I think for so many of us, um, we just wonder what we do in the midst of this as followers of Jesus. And I don't have all the answers. I think one of the simple answers is that we grieve, that we lament, and, and this urge to do something right away is maybe something that's best waited on. But I would say this, uh, as followers of Jesus, God invites us into the midst of addressing brokenness in this world. It actually is our thing. He invites us to do the work that Jesus does, to work for justice, to stand with the oppressed, to stand against evil and to hate sin when we see it. And so that desire is right and it is our place to think about how we help uh, this broken world, how we represent Jesus in the midst of it. Um, I want you to think about that as a follower of Jesus. I want you to think about the way that in your world, in your relationships, you can stand against racism, you can stand up for those who are being oppressed, those who aren't receiving justice. That is our job. But right now, let's just stop and pray. Would you join me? God, I, I pray for the family, the friends of George Floyd, those who know him, who are grieving more than us, who are grieving personally uh, his loss in their life. Um, I pray that your presence would be felt uh, powerfully by them, that, uh, that they would recognize that you're a God who grieves with us, who actually weeps, it tells us, as Jesus does that uh, at death and sin. And uh, so Lord, I pray that you would heal our broken country. I pray that you would use your church to stand for righteousness and justice. And Lord, I pray uh, that, that you would convict us personally of any way that we can contribute to bringing your will here on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray. Lord, we put this in your hands. Uh, we wanna follow you and honor you in everything we say and do. Amen. Hey, ASM, how's it going? Uh, if you are new with us this week, you've somehow stumbled upon our video, a friend invited you to come and watch this with them. Uh, my name is Curtis. I am one of the pastors here at ASM or Alderwood Student Ministry. Uh, if you're watching this video on your own, that's totally fine. Uh, what I'm gonna ask you to do though is grab a copy of God's Word. You can uh, look it up online or if you have a physical copy that you can pull out and have there with you so that you can actually follow along as we're teaching through uh, this passage. Uh, the intention for all of these videos is that you would use them in the context of your small group during our midweek gatherings on Zoom. So hopefully you have had your small group time, now you're gonna watch this as a uh, small group, and then you're gonna move into a time of discussion after the video is over. Thank you so much for gathering with us this week. Now let's hear what Wyatt has to say about our passage from this week. 
ASM, so good to be back teaching. I, I'm so excited to get into this series. Even though at the very end of First Timothy here, we're in chapter six, verses 17 to 19. Get a Bible right now. Have it in front of you. I know you're not listening to me. Seriously, get a Bible out. Go find a paper Bible. Get your phone. Have this text in front of you. I'll wait. Seriously, go. I know you're just staring at me, waiting for me to get done with this. I want you to go get a Bible. Get a Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 to 19, and we are covering our 14th house rule. And if you remember, the reason why we're talking about house rules is because this is Paul's instructions for the church, for the people of God. It says if we're going to be the family of God, this is how we're going to live. And house rule number 14 this week is this, is that we rely on God because everything else is uncertain, okay? We rely on God and God only because everything in this world is uncertain. And he's gonna speak specifically about wealth. Let's check out this passage together. First Timothy 6, 17 to 19 says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Okay, check this out. This passage, it is a direct command to those who are rich. And I think anytime we see a passage that's directed at those who are rich, we need to slow down and to think, does this apply to us? Because very few of us actually walk around thinking, I am a rich person. That's not our self-identity, no matter really how much money you have. And there's a reason for that. It's because no matter how much money you have or how wealthy your family is, you judge your wealth based on people around you. And since you know some people who have more money than you, and you know some people who have less, we actually all think of ourselves as essential being in the middle. And and yet, let's slow down and actually think for a second, because even though you're in middle school, even though you're in high school, maybe you have an allowance, you don't have a job, like I know you don't have a bank account that's overflowing, but let's think about what the Bible means when it talks about wealth. Okay, when the Bible's talking about wealth, it is in contrast to what is essentially normal, what it means to be a normal person. In the Bible, when Jesus is teaching and when he's engaging with with people, what normal is, is that you don't have enough to guarantee that you're going to be able to eat next week. You don't have enough to guarantee that you're going to have a place to live for the rest of your life. You live day to day wondering where your next meal is going to come from, if you're going to be able to provide for yourself, for your family. Uh, And that's normal, okay? And what it means to be rich is to be somebody who has so much that you don't have to worry about that, that you don't wonder if you're gonna have enough to eat, you don't wonder if you're gonna have a place to sleep, right? If, if the sun doesn't come out this spring and the, and the harvest doesn't come like you want, you, you're not worried that you're gonna be starving. Uh, and here's the thing, um, most of us aren't there, right? So maybe some of you are. I, I, we're at a very tricky financial time right now. Maybe your parents have lost jobs. Uh, maybe your family really is struggling and you do wonder where that next meal is going to come from. I know that's a real thing, but I would say for most of you, that's not the case. Your family has enough money that you can tend to rely on it. You can tend to think that everything's going to be just fine because of what you have. And in the Bible's worldview, that makes you rich. 
you, yes, even without a job, even without a big bank account. I mean, when we think about rich, like I went and, and I, uh, I pulled $500 out of an ATM today just so I could do this in front of you. This is way too much money for me to be carrying in public. If I lost this or somebody stole it, I'd be totally screwed. I barely have more money than this. But here's the thing. What would you do with $500? This is 25 20s. If I just handed it to you right now, what, what would this do in your life? Uh, and here's the thing, this is how we think about money. I, I don't know what you're imagining, a new pair of Beats headphones. I don't know if you just save it away because you're a more responsible person than me. I don't, know, uh, I don't know what you imagine buying, but we look at money and we see it as the thing that can make our life better, right? If I had $500, my life would be better because of what I could get with it. And this is the trap of wealth. The more you have, the more you look to it to provide for you. And so we get this warning in this passage specifically to those with wealth. And we as Americans today need to listen up, okay? Because this is a warning to us. And he says, don't be arrogant, right? Don't think that your wealth is going to provide for you because it is what? It is uncertain. There is nothing in this world. There is no amount of money. There is no, uh, nothing that you can count on indefinitely into the future. Our life is but a vapor. We don't know what God has in store. The only thing that we can trust is God himself who loves us, who takes care of us, who loves to give us good gifts. If you're a follower of Jesus, that is your identity. You are a child of God. And guess what? God is rich. He has more resources than he can handle. <laughs> he can handle it because he's God. Okay, but he has more power to bless and to take care of you, and he loves you. And so Paul is trying to get our attention off of what we have and onto the fact that we have a Father in heaven who loves us. I was thinking about how to illustrate this point this week, and I actually want to invite you into my kitchen uh, to check out uh, something that I filmed this week with my daughter, Hazel, to see if we can get our, our heads wrapped around this. Let's take a look. Hey everybody, welcome to the Martin household. It's dinner time here, and uh, I, I wanna show you this, and I want you to think about this, this idea we're talking about, that the things we have can mess up our view and our trust of God. This is Hazel's world. Welcome here. She's eating one of her favorite things, chicken nuggets. She currently has two pieces of chicken nuggets, as you can see. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Uh, there's a couple of things going on for Hazel right now. She has two chicken nuggets and three fruit snacks, but she actually has some other things going on uh, for her right now. She has me. I'm her father. I love her, I love taking care of her, I love giving her what she wants, I love feeding her. I, I would do anything to give Hazel what she needs. And guess what? As far as Hazel's concerned, I am loaded, okay? I have so many chicken nuggets, you guys, I'm never gonna run out. And if, if I do run low, I can get more. Come take a look, I've got a stash right here ready for her. She doesn't know that this exists, and yet I do. I, I'm her father, I know what she needs. It's dangerous to give her more chicken nuggets than she can handle. Oftentimes they end up everywhere. Okay, so she has two things. She has what she has on her plate, and she has me, her father, who loves her, has the resources to bless her, loves to do that. Okay, which of those two is more important, would you say? What she has on her plate or my relationship with her? I don't know what you think of me as a father. I hope we could all agree that my relationship with her is slightly more important than what she has on her plate. And yet, check this out, she's about to finish what she has on her plate. She's about to run out. What do you think happens if Hazel drops her last chicken nugget or just 
finishes it and wants more. Do you think she just sits here quietly and thinks, man, I don't have anything on my plate, but I sure am glad that I have a father who loves me and cares for me. No, she doesn't do that, right? She cries, she yells, she demands more because she's 20 months old and that's what 20 month year olds do, isn't it, okay? But here's the thing, we're the same way. Uh, it, it's so much easier for us to just hang on to what we have in front of us than it is to remember that we have a father uh -oh. in heaven. Look at that, see what I'm talking about? Uh-oh, the last one just dropped, where'd it go? <laughs> right, it's easier for us to think about what's right in front of us than it is to think about our father in heaven who has more power than we can imagine, loves to give us good things, promises to take care of us. And here's the thing, the more you have, the harder it is to not focus on it and to hang on to it and to remember that we can trust God to take care of us. And that is why uh, Paul thinks that it's so important to warn us about wealth in this passage. Uh, we need to be people who focus more on God and the fact that he cares for us than on what we have right in front of us in this moment. All right, let's jump back into the message. Okay, so what we're seeing here from Paul is that wealth can be dangerous. What you have can keep you from paying attention to what's actually more important, which is who God is and that you can trust him. And so what do we do instead? And this is where he gives us the positive side of this. He says, command them to do good. Remember, command those with money to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share and in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He says, if you want to get right with money, uh, then focus more on doing good than on what you have. Actually, give it away. Be generous. Love people with what you have. And remember the treasure that actually matters, the treasure that you lay up for the future in heaven, the fact that God will bless you for the way you live, and that will be so much more valuable, right? The life that is truly life, that will matter so much more than anything you could possibly own here on earth. Uh, we need to trust God to take care of our needs. We need to care more about being faithful than we care about being comfortable. And, and the allure of this world is that you need to have things. You need to be comfortable. You need to get more, make more, be more liked by people, all this stuff. And God says, no, 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 that's not actually what life is about. And if you go down that route, you're going to be sorely, you're going to be uh, not only just mistaken, you're going to be disappointed because none of that is certain. The only thing that's certain is God himself, who loves you, wants to take care of you, has more than you could ever need, and delights in blessing you as his kids. Here's where I wanna leave you, just a few questions as we think about this, as you get ready to talk about this in your small group. Here's the first one. What in your life do you have a tendency to hang on to too tightly? Maybe it's not just money. Maybe it's not possessions. Maybe it's a certain relationship. Maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe it's you know something in your family. But like, what about your life? Would you just hate to give up? Right, the thing that you say like, God, I'll do anything you ask me to do as long as you leave me this. What is that thing? And when you think about the way that God calls us to trust him, what would it look like to hold that a little bit more open-handedly? That's the first thing I want you to talk about. The second thing I want you to talk about is that, you know, honestly, many of the things in our life, we can't just give up, right? You can't just like, if your family 
is an idol to you somehow. Like if, if my wife, if my marriage is an idol to me, it's not like I can just leave her and, and cut that out so I can focus more on Jesus. Like we, ha- we have to live in this world with things. How do we uh, not try to get rid of stuff, but how do you build habits into your life to keep your attention on God, to keep trusting him, and to not let the things that we have take us away from that? What would it look like to set up some things in your life to help you thrive in this area? Talk about that with your small group. Uh, And then I'll just close with this. I think this is a time when uh, we really are having things taken from us. Maybe it's not money. Maybe your family's doing just fine financially. Uh, But you've had sports taken from you. You've had school taken from you, right? You've had hanging out with your friends taken from you. And I think God uses these seasons, these trials, when the things that we're used to, that we've been depending on, get taken to give us perspective, to teach us that we really can trust him and not these things in our life. And so I just want you to know, I'm praying for you right now. I know this is a tough season, but God is not done working in your life. He has something for you to learn right now. He has some way for you to grow right now. Let's follow him together. ASM, I love you. So good to be with you. I hope you have a great small group. We'll talk next week. See ya.